Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. My key takeaway here is not that Russell Wilson sucked. It's that Sean Payton got pants by Belichick. So, I mean, I think the Russell Wilson benching right now, John, I'm not buying that Stidham's better than Wilson and gives you a better chance. I think it's scapegoaty. I think that was a really tough loss. That was a heads roll kind of loss to a three-win team at home on Christmas Eve. You've got everything to play for. They don't. You've got the better quarterback. You've got the better team, better better record, better situation, better everything, and you lose. That's a heads roll kind of game, and Russell Wilson's head's rolling, and I, I think he's the scapegoat here. But don't let Sean Payton off the hook. That's what I wanted to say on the show today. Like, don't let him off the hook because his game plan kind of sucked, and he played right into Belichick's hands, and he got out coached, and that's that's what it is. And now, if he wants to bench Russell Wilson and make us all feel like Wilson's the problem, fine. But I'm I'm just not buying it. I can't get there. Welcome to the show, Ryan O'Leary here, along with John Heath. It's the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. John, of course, the managing editor of the Broncos Wire. We appreciate you for hopping on board. We hope you stick around for the rest of this season. Subscribe, rate, review. That's a great way to support us here during these holiday weekends. And if you want to give back to the show a little bit, that's how you could support us. We appreciate it. John, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. How you doing this week? I can't imagine as a Broncos fan, you're doing too well, man. My apologies. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you, Ryan, and, and all the Broncos Wire listeners. We appreciate you guys. Like Ryan said, if you could subscribe to the pod and rate and review us, we'd really appreciate that. I am doing okay, Ryan. <laughs> it was not a very Merry Christmas Eve uh, in the Heath household with the way that Broncos game went on Sunday night. But like my big takeaway, like watching that and then coming away from the game, I was just the biggest thing is the Broncos don't deserve to make the playoffs. Like technically it would take basically a miracle. Technically they could still make the playoffs and we can talk about that a little bit later in the podcast, but essentially they're basically out of it now because they lost that Patriots game. They, they could have had a shot to win out and now they've lost one of their last three games. So that basically does them in and like they're playing a three and 11 team led by Bailey Zappi, and they can't get the job done. Like, if you can't win that, basically a must-win, very winnable game at home. Like, you don't deserve to be in the playoffs anyway. And I talked about a little bit on the pod last week. Like, the two big games that stand out this year for the Broncos is the blowout in Miami and the blowout in Detroit and the Dolphins and the Lions. Those are two, like, contenders like two playoff caliber teams, the kind of caliber of team that the Broncos would meet in the playoffs if they made the playoffs. Obviously, the Lions were in the NFC, so they wouldn't have played them unless they went all the way to the Super Bowl. But just that caliber of team is who Denver could face as early as the wild card round. So if Denver had gotten into the playoffs, did we want to watch them lose like 42 to 21 or, or even worse than that? Like, obviously, we wanted to make the playoffs, but just watching that game, I was just like, they don't deserve to make the playoffs. And if they had made the playoffs, they're probably just going to get stomped anyway. So it it was super disappointing, but it's not really a positive spin, but just like, I don't know, I guess that's a way to look at it. Like, it it wouldn't have gone in if they got in anyway. So, yeah, (laughs) there's still two games left, and there's still just the tiniest, like a 6% chance. So we'll see how these next two – two weeks ago the the Broncos uh they're made it interesting for us because they're they're changing quarterbacks so that is something even if they are officially eliminated from playoff contention on Sunday at least now we have something interesting to talk about yeah we got plenty to talk about this is gonna be a big show obviously that was uh that was a brutal loss on Christmas Eve I feel for Broncos fans I'm a Patriots fan we all have something in common we're pissed at the Broncos because the Patriots had control of the number two overall pick but yeah, there's a change at quarterback, John. I know you said 6% chance of making the playoffs. I think, my opinion, I think the Broncos are waving the white flag by benching Russell Wilson here, going to Jared Stidham. Uh, it was an ugly loss, and I know there's future components to this, uh, but we've been wondering, and we've, we've talked about on previous episodes as well, what are the Broncos going to do 
with Russell Wilson. If this season flames out, if they don't make the playoffs, will they move on from Wilson and get try to get away from as much as of that contract as they possibly can? Do we have our answer now, John? You presented it really well on Broncos Wire, just the financial components on why the Broncos might be motivated to sit Wilson down for these final two games. What's your take on that? What do you, what do you think about that? Are the Broncos waving the white flag here by turning to Jared Stidham, or do you, do you really think that the Broncos believe you know, they have a better chance of winning and making the playoffs with Jared Stidham? I have a hard time believing that personally. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's definitely a financial aspect to it because, as you alluded to, there's $37 million in 2025, so not even next year, two years from now, if Russell Wilson can't pass a physical on March 17th, this cu- upcoming offseason, then $37 million of his 2025 salary becomes guaranteed. So if the Broncos play Wilson these next two games, there's a huge risk that if he gets hurt and it's a significant injury that you're on the hook to pay a big part of his salary, not just next year, but the year after that. And if they're not, you know, if they don't think Russell Wilson is a long-term guy, that's a massive, massive risk. And it doesn't really make sense to risk him getting hurt and then risk having to pay him two years from now. That's just, it's too far out. So I, I think that has to be a factor, you know, NFL network and nine news. They have claimed that the Broncos did this for sporting reasons and not because of the contract. And they point to Russell Wilson is going to be the backup on Sunday. So like if Jared Stidham got hurt, Russell Wilson would go into the game and and be the backup instead of like being inactive. And so I guess maybe there's a little bit something to that, because if it was 100 percent about keeping Wilson healthy and not wanting to risk injury at him at all, you probably would just make him inactive the last two games. So I think it can be like both. I think the money is probably a factor, but I do think there's at least like, I think the sporting element of it is also a factor because Russell or Sean Payton, the last few weeks, really a lot of this season, and we've talked about on the podcast, there've been a lot of times where he's just talked about how he's frustrated with the offense and he's frustrated with the communication and, and frustrated with things like not getting set the line. And without like directly saying, and it's Russell Wilson's fault, a lot of times it's felt like he's alluded to that. And then he had that blow up on the sideline with Russell Wilson. And there was a lot of reaction to that, including from us. We reacted to it. And I said at the time, and I still really think it's a reflection of how much frustration Sean Payton had built up with Russell Wilson. And honestly, I think he, like Wilson does certain things well. Like he's a gamer. He's clutch. He's really good at off script, just going out and just like a a two minute drill. Like it's part of the reason he has so many fourth quarter comebacks. Like when the game's on the line, just go out and play ball, improvise. He's good at that. And he did that against the Patriots and got them back in the game. And Sean Payton, after the game, he even talked about like, how the Broncos were able to, you know, suddenly turn it on and get back into the game. And he was just like, well, it's just kind of improvisation. And it's not necessarily something that you would run an offense as like your standard offense. And and again, it was just like, Russell Wilson's good at that, but we can't do that all the time. We're not going to build around our offense being that way. And I think Wilson, like he has shown improvement this year, at least numbers wise from last season. And I think that's in part because of Sean Payton, kind of helping him out and tailoring things a little bit more to his strengths and trying to hide his weaknesses a little bit. But even still, like there, there was a time on Sunday when Russell Wilson had just fine protection. His first read once in there, he tries to spin out of the pocket and spins himself right into a sack. And over the last two seasons, I think it's 30 games, 15 games last year, 15 games this year, he's been sacked a hundred times. No quarterback in the NFL has been sacked more often than that. And like the part of it is the offensive line, especially last year. I think the offensive line was worse last year than it is last year. But a lot of those sacks, I think, are self-inflicted by Wilson. Getting sacked has been a problem for him his, his entire career. I think part of it is he often just holds the ball too long. I think a lot of times he's locked into his first read. If it's not there, he just has a tendency to bail and just spin out and try to scramble. And like he is a good scrambling quarterback and he is good at improvising. But I think Sean Payton would prefer his quarterback to stand in, be a pocket passer and you know distribute the ball like a Drew Brees type. Obviously, there's not a bunch of Drew Breeses available right now. But I, I think that's Payton would want a quarterback more like that 
than the prototype of what Wilson is. And like people have talked about for years, how Wilson struggles to see the middle of the field. And I like, we've seen that this season. So just him holding the ball too long, him get taking sacks, him not seeing the middle of the field. I think all of that has just been, you know, the last two years, it's frustrated Broncos fans for sure. And I think it's frustrated Sean Payton as well. And like, I'm not saying there aren't things that Russell Wilson does well. Cause like he he's not, a terrible quarterback and there are some stuff that he does really well, but I think his limitations have just really frustrated Peyton. And I think a lot of times this year when the offense has really struggled and just struggles, struggles. And then at the end of the game, Peyton's like, all right, just, you know, just go do what needs to be done. And they score points, but Peyton doesn't think that that's like a realistic play or a realistic way to play from snap one of a game. And so I think it's just, not a marriage that Peyton thinks is going to work out. And Jarrett Stidham, like right now, is he a better quarterback than Russell Wilson? I don't know. Maybe not. But right now, is he a better quarterback for Sean Payton's offense and what Sean Payton wants his quarterback to do? Maybe. And and that must be like at least part of what Sean Payton's is thinking. So I, I think it has to be a little bit of both. I think they're definitely taking the money in consideration. But I also think... Peyton's frustrated with Wilson, and I think he might truly believe that Stidham will run the offense more the way that he wants it run in these last two games. And and it can be a little bit of an audition for Stidham. Like if it goes well, Stidham's still under contract next year, and then they can draft a rookie and they can duke it out in training camp. And if the rookie's not ready to start week week one, you have Stidham under contract for at least one more season. So I don't know. These next two weeks, these next two games are going to be fascinating to watch to see how that goes with Stidham. I'm a Patriots fan, as you know, John. Patriots drafted Stidham. I think Stidham kind of sucks. <laughs> I don't think there's, I don't think he gives you a better chance to win the Wilson. Uh, maybe he fits Peyton's system more. And we can watch for that. I just don't stick first Stidham this weekend. I think is going to be painful, John. Okay, that's just like my initial thought on this. But we'll get to that game, the Chargers. You said a lot of interesting things there, Peyton kind of not wanting to craft his game plan around Wilson improvising and playing, you know, quote unquote, and this is paraphrasing, but backyard football, right? Doing the the old Ben Roethlisberger style. And that's kind of the, the type of quarterback Wilson is. He likes to hold the ball. He likes to extend plays. Uh, the sacks are a huge problem, John. It's not just the fact that he took five sacks. It's that they lost 45 yards on those sacks. When Wilson gets sacked, he loses eight or nine yards. It's just like, holy crap, you, you, can't, you can't win like that. So I get it. Uh, I get why people are frustrated. I know he wasn't great in this game, but my frustration coming out of this was not on Wilson. Uh, I thought Wilson actually did a pretty good job getting the team back in the game. Uh, I thought that was pretty. That was a pretty good trick being down like the Broncos were and scoring 16 unanswered with a couple two-point conversions. That was good stuff. My frustration was with Sean Payton and his game plan because he came out and said after the game, and you made a great point, that's not really how you craft a game plan around how Wilson kind of improvised there and played at the end. But I feel like that's kind of the game plan the Broncos needed in this one. We talked about it last week. The Patriots, I think certain from a certain point, since like the midway point of the season, they're number one in rush defense DVOA. The The teeth of the Patriots defense is their defensive line, as we saw Christian Barmore. <laughs> Holy crap, dude's a monster. Uh, Christian Barmore, their linebackers, they all can stuff the run. They are an elite run-stuffing defense. They're not an elite pass defense. The Patriots had corners. I pulled up the snap counts, John. Sean Wade, kind of a scrub they picked up off the Ravens practice squad a few years ago. He's missed a lot of time with injuries. He's just not a key part of their rotation. He's only in there because of injuries. 86% of the snaps. Miles Bryant, a player who should be just kind of a special teams fill-in guy, but Belichick loves him. Not a good player. 78% of the snaps. Alex Austin, a rookie, undrafted kid, should not be on NFL fields yet. He should be on a practice squad somewhere. Scout team, 65% of the snaps. Jonathan Jones, he's the Patriots' best corner they had out there, but he's a slot corner. They kicked him to the outside. It's probably why they mixed him, mixed and matched with him a little bit because he's he's been playing inside, not out, but they had to kick him outside in this game. He played 52% of the snaps. So the Patriots played the majority of this game on defense with corners who should be backup special teams guys or on a practice squad. And Denver didn't test them. They didn't test them. Against Bill Belichick, you can't go into a game with the quote, we're going to do what we do kind of game plan and do it better than them. You know, like the teams that Belichick has dominated over his career, teams like the Steelers, 
who the Patriots beat a few weeks ago as well. Those are the we're going to do what we do and we're going to we're going to run the ball and protect the ball. We're going to do it better than you do. You know what we're doing, but we you're not going to stop it. And I'm sorry, those teams get beat by Belichick. You know what I mean? If he if he knows what you're going to do, you're screwed. And the Broncos didn't change it. They didn't open things up until they had to down 23 to 7 and that's when points magically started flying on the board. It's like, what are we doing here? They should have opened it up from the jump. This should have been a Russell Wilson game. I'm not surprised that they're benching him now because that game plan by Sean Payton showed no faith in Russell Wilson. I don't think this would have been much of a game if they just would have opened it up from the start. But instead, they just played right into the hands of Belichick. I mean, my key takeaway here is not that Russell Wilson sucked. It's that Sean Payton got pantsed by Belichick. So, I mean, I think the Russell Wilson benching right now, John, I'm not buying that Stidham's better than Wilson and gives you a better chance. I think it's scapegoaty. I think... That was a really tough loss. That was a heads roll kind of loss to a three-win team at home on Christmas Eve. You've got everything to play for. They don't. You've got the better quarterback. You've got the better team, better better record, better situation, better everything, and you lose. That's a heads roll kind of game, and Russell Wilson's heads rolling, and I, I think he's the scapegoat here. But don't let Sean Payton off the hook. That's what I wanted to say on the show today. Like, Don't let him off the hook because his game plan kind of sucked, and he played right into Belichick's hands. And he got out coached, and that's that's what it is. And now, if he wants to bench Russell Wilson and make us all feel like Wilson's the problem, fine. But I'm I'm just not buying it. I can't get there. I think it's fair to say Sean Payton did not have a good enough game plan, and I think you are spot on to say that Sean Payton didn't trust Russell Wilson, didn't have faith in Russell Wilson. I really think that's part of it. I think part of the reason they didn't go out there and Russell Wilson just you know just sling it around from the start is I really think Sean Payton does not trust him and has been kind of limiting him and holding him back all year just because he's just trying to work with what he has and just and literally just doesn't trust him. It, it's what I think. And part of it might have been like right at the beginning of the game, you talked about when they had it right down there at the six yard line, just try to punch it in and couldn't like I, there, I don't know if they should have thrown more there. I mean, you have Seahawks fans who have PTSD flashbacks back to that Seahawks Patriots Super Bowl trying to throw it down at the goal line. Yeah, but sure. the rest of the game, like from there forward, were there times they could have thrown more, probably. But I do think part of the reason they did not, or at least part of the reason Wilson wants it being as aggressive as he could have been, was Cortland Sutton left the game really early in the first quarter with a concussion. And like we've seen all season, he is Russell Wilson's just favorite target. Yep. And there were a couple times, I, I feel like there was like three times on Sunday where Wilson just kind of was like, well, my guy's down there. He's one-on-one, 50-50. I'm just going to chuck it up and give him a chance. And I I don't think any of them were completed. But everyone watching it, watching how the ball's coming, the receiver's positioning, the defensive back's positioning, I was just like, Cortland Sutton catches that. Like every time I was like, Cortland Sutton catches that. And not having him there, I really think that hurt the offense. I think it hurt Russell Wilson. Like he couldn't get into a groove. He couldn't get going. And, you know, maybe that was part of the reason Sean Payton, like an in-game adjustment is like, well, we can't be going, can't be calling up these plays for Wilson because 90% of the time he's throwing this to Sutton and he doesn't have Sutton out there right now. So I think, I think it's fair to say Payton definitely could have had a better game plan. I think it's also fair to point out Cortland Sutton getting knocked out of the game early really hurt. And I think also that, you know, Wilson, whether it's fair or not, I think Peyton did that in part just because he doesn't trust Wilson. And, and like you said, now it's just like they're not eliminated from the playoffs just yet, but basically like they're very unlikely to get in. So now it's just, you know, take a look at this other quarterback. If Stidham goes out there, and plays great in these final two games, then, you know, Sean Payton, maybe he'll have proven a point and been like, hey, my offense works. For Teddy Bridgewater, it worked. For Jameis Winston, it worked. For Taysom Hill, it worked. Obviously, Drew Brees, but like those guys, Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer. Those other guys are not. And Sean Payton was able to win with them. And and maybe he thinks Jarrett Stidham will have more success like those other quarterbacks did in his offense than Russell Wilson has had in these 15 games. I, we're going to find out. Like mm-hmm. Over these next two games, we're fixing to find out. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Can I throw a question at you, John? Yeah. If the Broncos pulled this game out, maybe it goes to overtime they win. Does Peyton make the switch? 
I doubt it because then they're in the playoff hunt and Wilson won the game. Right. So so if he wouldn't make the switch either way, what's that say about Sean Payton? You know, you know what I mean? Like he's not putting the team in the best chance in his opinion anyway. So that's why I just I, I roll my eyes at that. And I know that's not what you're saying. Um, it's just like the whole narrative the Broncos are going to push that this is a performance based thing. Well, what if the Broncos won the game? You know? I mean, yeah. Russell Wilson well, would be starting against the Chargers yeah. this weekend. I, I think Peyton would just say to you, we didn't. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like a moot point because sure. they did not. Like, it's it's such a hypothetical. But that I think that's fair to say. Like, if they won, would they still have done this? I, I would guess probably not. Right. If, if you, I mean, if Peyton really believed that, then the answer would be yes, but it, obviously not. <laughs> Russell Wilson would be starting. There's ulterior motives here. Uh, that's just what I think. But um more to come on this. This is something we'll be talking about over the coming weeks for sure. Um, an interesting one that came up in our show notes, John, George Payton. George Payton, he's attached to Russell Wilson. He traded a, he traded a haul to get Russell Wilson, and then he turned around and immediately gave him a huge contract when he didn't necessarily have to yet, um, and he did right away before we even saw him play a snap in a Broncos uniform. So we know uh, these two are kind of attached at the hip, so is George Payton next on the chopping block? Does he survive the offseason after, you know, one of the biggest moves he's made as GM of the Broncos has now, it looks like it's it's over with Wilson in Denver. So what's next for George Payton? Yeah, I think he has to be on the hot seat. He's had some pretty good draft picks and, and he's had some bad draft picks too. But I feel like the draft is, is just kind of a thing where you're going to have some good, you're going to have some bad I, some people debate about this and disagree on Twitter and whatnot. I personally think he has drafted pretty well, but it's the free agency moves and the trades like this, like Randy Gregory was a disaster and trading for uh, Russell Wilson. He gives them three players. He gives them two first round picks. He gives them two second round picks. And then, as you mentioned, before the season even starts, he gives Russell Wilson a five-year, $245 million contract. And it could be because the Seahawks gave Russell Wilson permission to seek a trade. Wilson was talking to all the teams that he could have potentially gone to. And it could have been that Wilson's agent talked to the Broncos and was like, hey, if he comes to you, you have to give him an extension and we want it starting at this. And it's the Broncos may have said, yeah, yeah, if he comes to us, we're going to give him an extension. So it kind of it may have kind of already been put in motion as like part of the trade. So if, if it was like agreed to beforehand that like, Hey, we're getting a deal. Like right after this trade is done before the season, we're getting a new contract for him as, as like part of this move. So if that happened, there's nothing you like, unless you want to go back on your word, like you got to honor that you said you're going to give him a new contract. The amount that they gave him, maybe there could have been more <laughs> wiggle room than that. Sure. And it's possible that I'm wrong. Like it, it may not have been like baked into the trade that that was the understanding. It may not have been. And if it wasn't, they really, really should have waited a season and then given him a big extension if his play warranted it. And clearly, after last season, his play did not warrant it. So that they would not be in this huge contract mess if they had not given him an extension before he even played it down in Denver. So that was a huge mic- miscalculation. And I, I have to say, like in fairness to George Payton, at the time this trade was made, and even when they signed the contract with the cost of quarterbacks this year, or this like these days, what a quarterback going rate is these days, and like a Super Bowl winning quarterback, a franchise quarterback, the the numbers compared to today's market did not seem like wildly out of proportion. And the trade itself, like for what it seemed they were getting, I didn't criticize it at the time. I did not criticize the trade, and I did not criticize the contract. But the thing is. I'm not George Payton. I'm not an NFL general manager. My (laughs) job's not on the line. I'm just a pundit. I just write about the team and give my opinion about the team. You know, that I'm just a sports fan. Every sports fan can give their takes on things. George Payton, there's a lot on the line for him. He's responsible for building a successful NFL roster. And in three years, he hasn't been able to do that. And so this, like, yes, I praised it at the time. If I was George Payton, I should be fired, but I'm not. And and he is. So it's, he's one to watch in these coming weeks and months. It's a really interesting aspect of this is sometimes 
NFL teams will fire their GM and fire their scouting department. And and Peyton, he is a former scout. Like he is like a huge, huge part of the Broncos scouting. Sometimes the team will wait until after the NFL draft and then basically right after the draft, fire all their, their scouts. And then they just start fresh for the next scouting cycle. Cause a, a scouting cycle is not like, an NFL season, the NFL season ending is not when they start scouting. They, they've been scouting since the last draft for this upcoming draft class. So I don't know if they would fire him before the draft, if they are going to fire him, but I do think he, he has to be on the hot seat and he's just made some very questionable decisions with the biggest one being Russell Wilson. And honestly, that might go down as one of the worst trades in NFL history. Some people might call it the worst trade NFL history so he has to be on the hot seat and I don't know if if like maybe at the end of the year they'll make a couple moves including firing him or will they wait until after the draft I don't know but that's something that we're definitely going to be watching in the coming weeks yeah for sure it's a tough business right I mean George Payton literally this past offseason orchestrates a trade to bring in Sean Payton and now Sean Payton might be part of the reason why he's fired if Sean Payton doesn't think that he's jiving with the GM and and all that that's just a, a fascinating you know part of the NFL but yeah I mean the trade looks really bad right now we didn't rip it at the, at the time John neither of us did we were both on board with getting Russell Wilson we were we, we celebrated the trade as did all of Broncos country so pe- folks in Broncos country ripping George Payton saying he sucks and wanting him gone just remember none of us were hammering him for this trade we were excited about it we probably all would have signed Russell Wilson I mean if you're going to give up two firsts, two seconds, and a bunch of players for Russell Wilson, you're probably going to sign him. So it's hard to rip him right now for the the contract. And e- even players like Randy Gregory, like that kid looked like a stud coming out of Dallas. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. It, it's it's a tough business. Uh, I think George Bay- Payton's pretty good at his job. I also think this trade, it didn't work out for him, and that's the business, and it, he might end up going down for this. He, he, he might end up losing his job, and I would... You know, I would not be surprised or uh, think it's unjust or anything. But again, it's just, you know, I think any a bunch of GMs would have made that deal, John. You know what I mean? Uh, we could all wag our finger and say, what were you thinking, George Payton? But we have the, you know, the ability to look back on it now and see the scoreboard. But the scoreboard doesn't look good for George Payton, unfortunately for him. Uh, I would not be surprised at all if he's if he's fired. That's another thing that we'll be getting to here in the coming months. More to get to on the show. Uh, Kareem Jackson, we'll give some thoughts on that and also how the Broncos can make the playoffs and will they beat the Chargers? We will uh, we'll get into all that coming up next. First, though, as long as you didn't have any Broncos in your lineup, you might be still alive in the fantasy playoffs in your championship weeks. Again, if you had any Broncos or Patriots in your lineup, you, you probably probably got screwed. Ezekiel Elliott's kind of good for fantasy, but other than that, you're probably screwed if you had anybody in that game on Christmas Eve night. Uh, but if you're still alive, congratulations. We got some advice from the huddle.com for the championship. And then John and I will be right back. Maury Bonini of the huddle.com here with strong plays for week 17. If you've made it this far, you're likely playing for a fantasy championship. So best of luck in your bid to secure a title. Quarterback Derek Carr, New Orleans Saints at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Carr has quietly come alive in the last couple of games despite being on pace for his worst fantasy season since being a rookie. He has multiple touchdown passes in three straight games and three in each of the past two contests. Tampa held him to a laughable 6.5 fantasy points on 37 attempts in week four. But the Bucks have yielded the fifth most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks on the year. In the last three weeks, this matchup is 26.1% better than average. And the likes of Desmond Ritter and Jordan Love have each topped 22 fantasy points. On the year, Jared Goff, Josh Allen, Brock Purdy, and C.J. Stroud all have gone north of 30 against the Buccaneers. Carr is a pretty safe bet for at least 22 to 24 fantasy points. Running back Javante Williams, Denver Broncos versus Los Angeles Chargers. We should see a little more reliance on the running game, with this being a favorable matchup and the benching of Russell Wilson for Jarrett Stidham. The Bolts have allowed backs to average the 8th most yards per game on the ground, and three scores in the last five weeks have come against this defense, including one to Williams in Week 14. The season-long outlook heavily favors the Broncos here, 
Only eight teams have been softer versus the position, and this is a good matchup for checkdown bonus points in PPR scoring. Wide receiver Curtis Samuel, Washington Commanders versus San Francisco 49ers. Samuel has been a lot of all or nothing in the last two months, going for just three points in the most recent contest. He has only two touchdowns since week six, both of which came in week 15. Fortunately, one of those came from the hand of Jacoby Brissett, who has been named the starter versus San Francisco. The matchup is not terrible, and there's obvious reason to expect the Commanders will be forced into a pass-heavy script here. Consider him a risk-reward wide receiver 3 in deeper playoff leagues, and he's also a nice pivot for a cheap punt play in DFS. Tight end Jake Ferguson, Dallas Cowboys versus Detroit Lions. Ferguson's role has been impressively consistent with exactly 8 targets in each of the last 4 games. He has a floor of 8.5 PPR points in that time, and that's actually a little more impressive with just one of his last 25 catches going into the end zone. The Lions have yielded tight ends two scores over the last 21 catches granted, which checks in as the 12th highest ratio. The overall matchup profiles quality, but it's also stronger in non-PPR scoring, so keep that in mind. This one could turn into a shootout, which adds a little bit of hope for a bigger day than expected. Happy New Year wishes from everyone on the Huddle staff. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, before we get to uh, Stidham versus Stick, oh man, what a... What a game! There's there's a lot of stuff we could do with that, John. Maybe not all. Maybe not everything's appropriate. Easton Stick, the Chargers quarterback, was he named after a hockey stick? Isn't Easton like a hockey brand? No, I don't. I have oh, no idea. I don't know. It could be Easton Stick. Uh, Easton Stick versus Stidham. Uh, we'll get to that game here coming up. But first, uh, Kareem Jackson, John was cut. Uh, so the Broncos basically deciding uh, you're back from your suspension, but we don't feel like putting you back on the roster and making a move. So you're just going to get cut. <laughs> and, uh, uh, he got scooped up by the Texans, so he immediately enters the playoff, uh, an actual playoff race now, I guess. Uh, your thoughts on the team moving on from Kareem Jackson? It felt like this was coming no matter what, so uh, it's, I'm not so surprised, but what do you think? Yeah, earlier in the season when he had that initial two-game suspension, the Broncos went 2-0 and without him, and he came back, and Jackson said that uh, Sean Payton said to him, in so many words... We're on a roll right now. Don't mess it up. <laughs> and basically like, hey, man, you keep getting punished and it's hurting the team. Don't let it happen again. Basically, like paraphrasing him. And then immediately, as soon as Cream Jackson gets back on the field, immediately he launches himself headfirst into Josh Dobbs and gets ejected again. And then he gets a four-game suspension. And I think Sean Payton, and, and again, this is just me uh, projecting, but I think Sean Payton was like, hey, Dude, I told you, don't let it happen again, and you immediately did it again. So you're not on the active roster anymore. And they tried to get him down to the practice squad. When he came back from his suspension, to put him on the active roster, they would have had to cut someone, and they didn't want to do that. He wasn't going to start on defense over P.J. Locke because P.J. Locke is playing so well, and Kareem Jackson all year, he hasn't played any special teams. And Turner Yell, their one backup safety, you know, he's not very good in coverage in the secondary, but he's a very key special teams player. So Kareem Jackson, he wasn't going to play special teams over Turner Yell. He wasn't going to start over P.J. Locke on defense. So the Broncos didn't want to cut someone for a guy that was going to be inactive. So they cut Jackson, and, and they would have tried to put him on the practice squad but the Texans claimed him off waivers. I think the Texans have an injury at safety or just subpar play at safety, and he might be able to get some playing time on defense for them. And like you said, it it works out nice for him because he goes back to the team where he started his NFL career as a former first-round pick, and now he's legitimately back in the playoff hunt. So, you know, it kind of works out nicely for Jackson. For the Broncos, they're just, like you said, they're probably going to – this was – Definitely probably going to be his last season in Denver. He's going to be turning 36 this offseason, becoming a free agent. I imagine after all the times he was fined and getting suspended twice, getting ejected from two different games, I imagine that this is going to be his last season in the NFL. So maybe he can try to make a little bit of a run with Houston here in the playoffs. But yeah, that that was the end of the road for Jackson. And I, I assume that it kind of come down to uh, Peyton was like, hey, man, this is your last chance. Don't let it happen again. And then it happened again. He's like, okay, you can be depth on the practice squad for us, but the Texans didn't let that happen. So, you know, good luck to Cream Jackson. He, I mean, he's had a good career, and he did good things in Denver. Like, he was a good safety for them a couple of years. This season, I think his play just fell off a little bit, and, like, the hits, he just – he just couldn't change the way he played. And to, in his defense, like it's hard to when you've played that way for so long 
and the NFL rules just get stricter and stricter on, on how you can hit opponents, it just got harder for him. So I'm guessing this is his last season in the NFL. He's had a pretty good career, and it's not going to be wrapping up with the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think anyone's really shedding a tear in Denver over this one, but you know, we'll see what happens in Houston. Uh, they got a shot. They've got a good defense. They got a defensive-minded head coach in D'Amico Ryan, who I, I love personally. I think D'Amico Ryan's is excellent. They have a real quarterback over there, C.J. Stroud, who should be coming back this week. So uh, he's been injured with a concussion. So we'll see. Maybe Kareem Jackson can mix it in there with Houston and and do some things. But yeah, I don't think any of us are shedding a tear or are surprised that Kareem Jackson's moved on a little bit early because it was coming this offseason anyway. Um, week 17, John, for the Broncos, they can uh, technically make the playoffs, right? I guess that's what we can say. They They can win out, but not not make it. They need a lot of outside help now. That was a brutal loss to the Patriots. Uh, basically, the Patriots was that was like the wooden stake through Broncos country's heart, right? That's pretty much what that was. But we can uh, put the positive spin and say we're not mathematically eliminated yet. Uh, and they can actually still win the division, right? Because yes. the Chiefs lost to the Raiders, and just just like in, let's just go back to like a hypothetical world, John. You know, I like to live in those hypotheticals, like. How much pressure would you be putting on the Chiefs right now if you just took care of business against New England? Like this, know, the division would be a real conversation right now. But of course, and the Broncos lost that. The one point loss early in the season, the two point loss early in the season, very winnable games against the Raiders and the Commanders. There's so much stuff when you look back at the season, you're like, man, the Broncos really could have taken advantage of the Chiefs just. By their standards, Kansas City has had a terrible season. Like, if ever there was a season to knock the Chiefs off and the AFC West and, and get a division title, this was the year. And the Broncos just blew it. They had so many chances. So it's frustrating. But right here at the end, like you said, there's there's two ways they could still make the playoffs. One is they win out and the Chiefs lose out, which is extremely unlikely, but it's possible. So I'm listing it. The Chiefs, they close out the season against the Bengals and the Chargers. The Broncos, obviously, they have the Chargers and Raiders. So if for some wild scenario, the Chiefs lost both those games and the Broncos won both those games, the Broncos would be AFC West champions and the fourth seed in the AFC playoffs, which would, at 9-8, and eight, that would just be wild. But because it's possible, we're listing it. Unlikely, yes but still possible. So that's one way. The other way is they could get in as a wild card team at nine and eight. And that's a lot more complicated because there's a ton of uh, AFC teams in contention. So not all of them would have to go Owen two, but many of them would, and some of them play each other. So it's really complicated scenarios, but basically this week, assuming the Broncos or assuming the chiefs won't lose out. And, and like, if we're rooting for, a wild card berth for the Broncos, the rooting guide this week for Broncos fans. They would want the Patriots to beat the Bills. They would want the Seahawks to beat the Steelers, the Chiefs to beat the Bengals, the Titans to beat the Texans, the Panthers to beat the Jaguars, and the Raiders to beat the Colts. That's a lot of stuff to happen to keep the Broncos alive for one more week. And probably the most likely scenario is even if the Broncos win this week, they're probably going to be eliminated from playoff contention because there's so many scenarios where they could be. So they're just hanging on by a thread. It's a 6% chance they make the playoffs. But technically, if a ton of things went their way, they could be alive for at least one more week. So there's the rooting guide for this week. What do you think, John? Eight-game parlay, Moneyline parlay, Broncos, (laughs) Broncos, Patriots, Seahawks, Chiefs, Titans, Panthers, Raiders. Uh, we'll just string it all together, throw five bucks on it, and see what happens. I can't do that. I live in Minneapolis now, so I can't even <laughs> bet. But you folks in Colorado, do it. Eight-game parlay. <laughs> but uh, I'm not convinced the Broncos are going to win this week against the Chargers, so this might all be yeah, a moot point. Yeah, That's they, the thing, because <laughs> if, if the Broncos lose one game, they're eliminated. It won't matter at all if they lose this week or next week. They're out no matter what happens in the other game. So I, first yeah. thing first, like yeah. all they control is their own game and – and lately that we don't have a lot of confidence in them taking care of business after that Patriots game. It's, it's hard to have any confidence in them. No, it, it, it is. And I, I do think if, if the Broncos were playing a normal game this week with their starting quarterback, I, I would probably take the Broncos to win it. Um, you know, they had success against Easton stick in the chargers. 
when stick came in the game. It's such a weird Easton stick. That's just such a name. Uh, but they had success against this team. The chargers lost 24 to seven to Denver a few weeks ago. Uh, so now it's Stidham versus stick. And, you know, I just, this is kind of just a rule I have, John, anytime I'm getting three points at a matchup of two backup quarterbacks, I'm just going to, usually I'm just going to take the points and, I think you've you kind of know where I'm at right now. I don't think Stidham's an upgrade over Wilson at all. I just don't. I just don't think he's a better quarterback than Russell Wilson. Uh, the Broncos aren't getting a ton of production, or at least not the production they want out of the run game. Uh, Javante Williams, you were on this, John. Uh, you know, last week he averaged two point two yards per carry again. So, yeah. and again, that's a tough run defense. And I like that Jaleel McLaughlin was more involved. I actually asked for that last week, and and he was. I think they should actually keep giving him the football because it seems like he gains yards every time they give him the ball. So like, why is he not in there more? I don't, I don't understand that one, but uh, they're not getting that production out of the run game. And then the chargers, I mean, they've had Easton stick in there for a few weeks. Now they just got that turd in the punch bowl there, Brent Staley out of their locker room. Right. So they've, I think they've gotten a little boost there. Uh, they looked a lot better against the bills than they did against the Raiders. Uh, you know, the, when you look at the last couple of weeks, so, again, I know the Broncos are still mathematically alive, and we can we can fire up that eight game parlay, John. Uh, which hey, I'm here for. It. Let's let's throw five bucks on it. Let's do it. Uh, but no, I I just feel like going to Stidham here was waving the white flag. I, I don't I don't think this makes the Broncos better. I don't think this gives them a better chance to beat the Chargers. I think if anything, you're going to be dealing with Stidham coming in, and he hasn't played a lot of football in his career, and he hasn't played a lot of football this season. Uh, he hasn't pl- played at all, right? And he's only got two Just careers. Well, yeah, handoffs. Kneel- okay, handoffs and kneel downs. So he's only started two games in his career. He had a chance to play when he was with the Patriots. The Patriots drafted him. And he was an interesting little guy. I, mean, I think they drafted him in the fourth round or something out of Auburn. He was an interesting player at the time. But he had a chance when Brady left. Stidham was like the only quarterback on the roster, basically. They went and signed Cam Newton. And it was Cam Newton versus Jared Stidham. And Stid- no matter how bad Cam Newton sucked that year, John, and boy, it was bad at times. <laughs> Stidham, he often would come in in the second half, suck just as bad, and then they'd go back to Cam the next week. It was just like ridiculous. <laughs> it was some brutal years of Patriots football there. Um, but, you know, even this year has been, I guess, worse somehow. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Stidham, I- I've-, I've seen him play some football. He looked better with the Raiders last year than he did in a couple, you know, a couple starts than he did w- ever with the Patriots in mop-up duty, but I still have a ton of confidence in this player. Uh, I, again, I kind of, I think I threw a wet blanket on the signing in the off season when they brought him in, John. So, you know me, I, I just can't, especially with the former Patriot who sucked for the Patriots. I, I have a hard time believing in them <laughs> in their next spot. But again, I just think there's ulterior motives here. I don't, I don't believe the Broncos and Sean Payton and, and we're recording before Sean Payton even speaks since the Russell Wilson news broke. So, I'm sure he's going to tell us that this is the best move for the football team and they're doing what's best for the team, blah, 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 blah. I don't believe that. I think they're waving the white flag and there's other motives behind it. And I think the motives are they want to move on from Wilson and they're ready to do it right now. And Christmas Eve was the final blow to their season and they know it. So um, none of that gives me any faith that Jared Stidham's going to beat Easton Stick by more than three points. So <laughs> it's a long-winded way of saying, John, two backup quarterbacks, ugly game, Stidham versus Stick. I'm taking the points. I'll take the Chargers. What do you think? I think I agree with what you're saying about the Chargers. Was even against the Broncos, Stick did make a couple plays, and now he's got a couple games under his belt. And they really gave the Bills a run for their money last week. Like last week, we were rooting for the Chargers to beat the Bills because at that point, before the Broncos had played, a lot of things were going the Broncos' way to get into the playoffs. It would have been really helpful if the Bills lost to the Chargers. Um, But then, yeah, it all became a moot point when the Broncos lost to the Patriots. But I do think the the Chargers are a different team than the team that lost to the Broncos 24-7. And I think the Chargers can come into Denver and and make some things happen. So I don't think it's like uh, a pushover game. But I I give Stidham a little bit more credit because I think it's fair to say it's not only about the money. Um, or excuse me, you're saying that it basically is only about the money and it's not about, you know, being better on the field. But I, I really do think 
that that's at least part of the equation. And like you mentioned, Stidham, he was not able to do anything with the Patriots. But more recently, he had two pretty good games with the Raiders last year, including a very good game against the 49ers, who were, you know, phenomenal last year, just like they are again this year. So I and, and like Sean Payton, there's a reason he gave Stidham a two-year, $10 million contract. Like clearly. Sean Payton saw something in this guy and he sees him every day in practice. He saw him in training camp. He saw him in preseason. I do think it's possible that Sean Payton thinks uh, this scenario, Stidham can go out there and operate his offense and get the Broncos a win at home. And, And maybe like the financial aspect is a big part of it. Like even if it's like 80% of it, that 20%, I still think could be because he truly does have confidence in Jarrett Stidham. You know, I I disagree with the waving the white flag. I think if Peyton thought, you know, Russell Wilson emphatically 100% is, you know, in all every way a better option to win this game on Sunday, I think Wilson would still start again. So it's very possible that I'm wrong, but I do think Peyton has some confidence in Sinem. And because Peyton does, I'm going to have some too. And I'll, I'll back the Broncos to cover three points at home. Um, I like and it. So now we can contradict each other, Ryan. That's good. Next week we can look at back on this and see who's right. Well, I very, I'm very rarely wrong, John. As you know, I mean, go back <laughs> and listen to last week's podcast when I pounded my hand on the desk and said the Broncos will beat the Patriots by seven plus. Do not worry, Broncos country. You're not going to have your Christmas ruined by your football team. You will beat this Patriots team. Here's all the reasons why. And I thought I made a very compelling case. It was compelling. Boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. So I'm, uh, don't, yeah. So if you believe John, don't believe me. I'm not, I'm, I'm rarely right here. But, uh, yeah, again, again, it, it was it just that Sean Payton was, he loves Stidham and he was been, he's texting Stidham at night, John. Hey, just wait, just wait, buddy boy. Just wait till there's a, an excuse. Give me one excuse to bench Russell Wilson. I'll do it. Uh, I, I guess I gave, uh, Sean Payton, a, a Jerry Jones voice there, but it's like, uh, is he just waiting for the the final moment to finally get a chance to bring in Stidham because he thinks Stidham's the guy? Maybe, maybe. I mean, look, I think way back in the day, Bill Belichick, again, I'm a Patriots fan, so I'm dating myself here, but 2001, I think Belichick knew coming out of camp, Tom Brady was a better quarterback than Drew Bledsoe, but you were you were just never were going to bring in that kid because he didn't have the same experience and it didn't make any sense and you had to have a reason and an injury was the reason. Maybe Sean Payton finally has his reason to bring in Stidham and he's believed it all along. I just don't believe that. Uh, I think if the Broncos won the game against the Patriots, Russell Wilson would be starting this game. So I don't believe you, Sean Payton, that you think Stidham gives you the better chance to win because you would have made this move already uh, and you couldn't because you were winning. And... I don't know. I just can't get there, John, as you know. But again, Patriots fan who thinks Stidham sucks because the Patriots drafted him and I watched him suck for the Patriots. I could be wrong about the kid. He could be better than I think. So we'll let it play out, John, and we'll find out. Right? I, I hope you're wrong, Ryan. I think you should give yourself more credit. I think a lot of times you are good on the spread. Last week was a miss. We all have misses. <laughs> but I hope you're wrong again this week because I, I want Stidham to be entertaining. Like I want him to be like play well in these last two games and then in the offseason us be like, you know, here we go. The Broncos, they can draft a quarterback, trade up for one if they want to, and then they don't have to start him week one because Jarrett Stidham looked so good last year. They can start Stidham, and then when the rookie's ready, he can take over, whether that be 2024 or 25, whatever it may be. So I would love – like I think that would be kind of the best-case scenario for the situation they're in right now. So I hope you're wrong, Ryan, but we'll find out here on Sunday and then the game after that. Well, for me, John, as somebody who watches, you know, maybe I'll I'll hop on the TV with the wife and do like one of the Bachelor in Paradise episodes just to get that drama. I don't have a lot of drama, so sports are my drama. Like, I, I have to admit, the crowd shots of the Broncos fans on Christmas Eve night in the fourth quarter—that's that's some good that's some good entertainment value for me. I enjoyed that. I, I like the pain. I just think that's part of the whole experience of sports and. I, I agree with you. This will be more entertaining. Like, show me Jared Stidham has a really good first quarter, leads a touchdown drive, and then show me Russell Wilson's face on that sideline. You know, that's <laughs> that's what I want. And then show me Sean Payton hugging Stidham on the, yeah, good job. You know, that's what I'm here for. So, yeah, give me all that. I want all the drama. And you know what? If Stidham plays well and beats the Chargers and then has another good game against that red-hot Raiders defense that looks terrifying right now, by the way, that Raiders defense. <laughs> 
if he plays well against them too, okay, maybe we'll be onto something. Maybe I'll change my tune here, but I just can't do it. Again, two backup quarterbacks. I just look at it in a vacuum. Two backup quarterbacks. I'm getting three points with one of them. And that other backup quarterback's already started more games in his career than Stidham has. Uh, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the points and just take the Chargers. But been wrong before, John. Um, sorry again about Christmas Eve night. Uh, you know, that's not one that I, as a Patriots fan, I didn't want to rub that one in on you because I was mad at the Broncos too. We, I wanted the Broncos <laughs> to win. I wanted that number two pick. So uh, we're going to end up drafting a freaking offensive lineman now or something. We're not going to get that quarterback, unfortunately, because the Patriots are playing their way out of the top three. Oh, Denver, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me, man? But uh, I hope you have a better New Year's Eve than you had Christmas Eve, John, if that makes sense. I, I Happy New Year to you. It's been fun doing the show. I'm excited to get on to 2024. I think the offseason will bring us plenty more topics to get to when we're when, as we close out this regular season. So looking forward to everything that's to come, man. Yeah, same to you, Ryan. I hope you have a good New Year's. I hope the Patriots... You know, because you want a high <laughs> draft pick, I hope the Patriots give you a good New Year's. And if that's with a loss, so be it. Yeah, the problem is all the teams around the Patriots, the Washington Commanders, the Giants, the Cardinals, these teams are so bad, John, and they're playing such good teams that no one's winning. No one's winning another game. So, and, and in fact, the Patriots, they'll probably lose to Buffalo. Sorry, Broncos fans rooting on the rooting guide there. I think the Patriots will lose to Buffalo, but probably beat the Jets. So the Patriots will probably now end up with five wins. They'll probably end up with the fourth or fifth pick. They'll probably end up staying in the fourth pick, which will be an interesting spot to be. You know, do you want to, do you still want to take a quarterback at four? Do you want to take one of the stud offensive linemen if they're still on the board? You got to imagine it's going to be Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Marvin Harrison, those top three. So you have your pick of everybody else there at number four. It'll be fascinating, but. We'll see. Yeah, interesting offseason for the Pats, the draft, uh, but also a lot coming going on with the Broncos as well. Uh, with the quarterback change, it feels imminent in all of that. Stidham starting against Stick here against the Chargers. Looking forward to it. Uh, to, the, to our listeners, Happy New Year and all that. Again, we appreciate you being on the podcast. If you could spread the word, leave a, a quick review, leave a quick rating, let John know how much you love him on uh, Twitter, all that good stuff. All that helps spread the word. And we do appreciate it. We will talk to you next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.